This morning, those of you in the sanctuary, if you have your Bibles with you, I'm going to ask you to turn with me to the book of John, uh, the Gospel of John, chapter number three. And don't forget, immediately following service today, we will be going to the river. Uh, we're excited about having a baptism service there uh, right after service this morning. Going to be a wonderful time. So I'm just going to dive in this morning to the word of the Lord. I going to share with you a passage of scripture that many of you, if not most of you or all of you, probably can quote uh, the first verse that I'm going to read to you today. But over the last several weeks, as I've just been thinking on uh, the world that we find ourselves in and much of the events uh, that's taking place and then trying to be observant and trying to be sensitive to the leading of the Spirit as well and what our approach should be. I, I, will, I believe that all of us can attest to this, that uh, we are living in a world where in many, many places and in many lives, love is absent. And uh, it seems like hate is the new thing and it's the thing that's been promoted, division and uncertainty. And uh, as I have focused on this and, and been really pondering some things, I've realized that it isn't so much the messages that we preach, but it is simply the lives that we live in the world in which we find ourselves in. And so today, I'm probably not going to preach a message to you that is new. You're not going to have any deep revelation uh, in theology today, maybe, maybe you will. Uh, but I just pray that we will have an ear to hear what the Lord would say to us today. And I want to take us on a little journey, uh, but then I, I want to just share my heart. Is that all right this morning if I just kind of share some things that have spoken uh, to me? But in John chapter number three, if you're able, if you're not, I totally understand. I'm going to ask you to stand for the reading of God's word this morning. John chapter 3, beginning in verse number 16, we're going to read together, 16 and 17, but I want you to understand that we're picking up a personal conversation that Jesus is having with a man by the name of Nicodemus. Nicodemus has said this to him, I know that truly you are a teacher, you, uh, he calls him rabbi, he says, and we know that God is with you because the only way that you can do what you're doing, miracles and signs and wonders is following you, is only if uh, there is something unique and an anointing from heaven upon you. And there's a conversation going back and forth. And, the, and Jesus has already told him that he says, except a man be born of, of water and of spirit, he cannot come into the kingdom of heaven. And he's like, how can a man be born again when he's already been born? Most of you are familiar with the story. But then Jesus responds in verse number 16. He says, for God so loved the world that he gave. Somebody say he gave. He gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. For a few moments today, I want to take this thought, a love like no other. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we love you this morning. I thank you for your people. I thank you for the presence that we feel in this room. And I thank you for the privilege that I have to once again stand here 
and to speak to your people. Father, I pray for the next few moments that there would just be the anointing of your Holy Spirit settled down upon us as we deliver to your people that which you have spoken and stirred in our hearts today. And Lord, we ask that you would just uh, give us ears to hear, but more importantly, even hearts to receive. And Lord, let us self-examine. And Lord, if maybe there's one in this room or one that is watching by way of technology today that does not yet know you as Lord, that this would be the day. Because in your word it says today is the day of salvation. So today, Father, I pray that there would just be a drawing of your Holy Spirit in this room today. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you for reverencing the word of the Lord this morning. In order for us to fully understand the amazing love that our Heavenly Father has for us, we must go back to the beginning of our Bibles. And we have to begin to lay out a foundation for us to fully grasp what John chapter 3 is really all about. We know that when you go to Genesis chapter number 1, and I'm going to jump through this very quickly for you this morning. In Genesis chapter 1, 26 through 29, we read the following. It says, And God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. And God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful, and multiply, and replenish the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every herb bearing seed, which is upon the face of all the earth, and every tree in the which is the fruit of a tree yielding seed. To you it shall be meat for you." We find that in this passage of scripture, you and I was created in the likeness and the image of God. I should say that Adam and Eve was created in the likeness and image of God. While we still have some of those traits, we was contaminated and we was created in really the state of Adam's fallen nature. Therefore, there needed to be something to bring us back to that which God had originally created us to be. We find that, however, when you really begin to dive into this story of creation in Genesis chapter 2, it goes a little further. The Lord expounds uh, in the writings, uh, and it says, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. And the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put man whom he had formed. And out of the ground made the Lord God to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life also was in the midst of the garden, as well as the tree of knowledge of good and evil. But you read a little further in verse number 15 through 17. It says, and then the Lord took and the Lord God took the man and put him in this garden called Eden to dress it and to keep it. And the Lord commanded the man saying, of every tree of the garden you may freely eat. But of the tree of knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. Most of you are familiar with this passage. But then there's verse 18. 
And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone, but I will make him a helpmate for him. And then you find in 21 through 23, And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept, and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. You say, what in the world does all of this have to do with John chapter 3 and verse number 16? We see in the beginning, man is not only formed, but man is positioned strategically by his creator. And he's positioned strategically by his creator so that he could be nourished, so that he could be fruitful, as well as so he could be in fellowship with his God. However, something happened. Man disobeyed the direction and the commandments of God concerning the activity that was supposed to take place in a garden called Eden. Get this. Man is created in the image of God. He's created in the likeness of God. He is given a place. He's given a garden. It is filled with beauty. It is filled with the creation that God has created. We find that in this place, he says, I want you to keep it. I want you to dress it. You can eat of every tree that's here other than the tree of knowledge of good and evil because when you eat of that, you will surely die. But we find that when you begin to read in your Bible, in Genesis chapter number 3, we find that the serpent comes walking into the garden and begins to have conversation with Eve. And oftentimes people say, well, Adam shouldn't have left her alone. But Adam never left her. If you read that passage, you will find that he was with her. He was present there with them. And as they began to entertain uh, the dialogue of something that should have never been given place to, we find that upon doing that, they said this, you will not really die. And you find in Genesis chapter 3 and verse number 5, it says, For God doeth know that in the day that you eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened and you shall be as gods. Get this. Knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her husband with her and he did eat. And the eyes of them both were open and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. And then they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid, because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he said, Who told thee that thou was naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou should not eat? And the, med, and the man said, The woman who thou gavest to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I did eat. Now, we find in this moment of great disappointment, in this moment of we could not even fathom probably the heartbreak of our Creator, in that moment when man fell, 
to the lying trickery of the enemy. But we find that in the midst of the greatest hour of disappointment, we find that there began to be a oozing out, not of anger, not of violence, but there began to ooze out of the heart of God something that was very uncommon for many men and women today. Love began to be oozing from him because he is love. You say, what do you mean by that? Is when you look a little further in Genesis chapter 3, 22 and the following. It says, and the Lord God said, behold, the man is become as one of us to know good and evil. And now lest he put forth his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore, the Lord God sent him forth from the garden of Eden to till the ground from whence he was taken. So he drove out the man and he placed at the east of the garden of Eden cherubs and a flaming sword, which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. Notice with me, God loved man so much that he said, I cannot leave him positioned here unless he touches and partakes of the tree of life like he did of the tree of, good and, of, of knowledge of good and evil. Because if he touches this tree of life in this state, he will live forever in a sin-sickened condition. Separated from my presence. Separated from who I have ordained and called him to be. Can I tell you today that it's probably the most... Uh, the, the most graphic picture of love that can ever be seen. He loved Adam and Eve so much that he said, I cannot leave you in this original place that I placed you. But we find that the story does not stop there. That which had been created in the likeness of God himself had become marred by disobedience, which caused man to be separated from his creator. No longer would there be walks in the cool of the day in the garden of Eden for Adam and for Eve. We see throughout the Old Testament where sacrifices was offered on behalf of man, but none was great enough, powerful enough, effective enough to remove the stain that was on man called sin. Yes, they covered them and they temporarily gave ease of them, but there was nothing that was able to bring a cleansing to humanity. Even when the high priest would put on all the priestly garments uh, and go behind the veil on the day of atonement and sprinkle the blood and do everything that was entitled uh, up leading to that point, none of it was able to wash away the sin of man. Isaiah the prophet in Isaiah 53 and verse number 6, he said this, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. But however, it would be tragic if it stopped there. But there's a little bit more in this verse. But it says, And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. Who is him? Jesus Christ, our Savior, our friend. Paul wrote these words in Romans chapter 3, verse number 23. He said, for all have sinned and came short of the glory of God. Some may say, well, is it really that big of a deal that man fell in Genesis chapter number 3? 
Please notice what this stain called sin really caused. In Romans chapter 5, verse number 12, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. The direct result of sin is death. And today we see death everywhere. We see death in many different manners. Uh, we often go to the funeral parlor and we walk by and pay our respects uh, and say, well, they lived a good life or they lived too short of a life, uh, no matter what it is. Uh, but we, we, we view death in that manner. Uh, but that is only one form of death uh, because the Bible teaches us uh, that those that reject God, even while they live, they are dead in their trespasses of sin. Uh, do you realize today that there's men and women walking all around you in Fayette County, uh, all throughout the state of Indiana, all throughout the nations of the world, uh, and yes, they're walking, talking, breathing, uh, yes, they're doing all the things that they do, uh, but yet they are dead while they live. Because of the simple fact, uh, the stain of sin is still uh, on their life. Uh, listen, I am not here to be judgmental today at all, uh, but I'm here to tell you this morning uh, that there is a world that does not know uh, the love that you know. Uh, but when you can say that Jesus Christ is Lord of my life, uh, that he's washed away my sins, uh, that he's made all things new, uh, that is a love like no other. Uh, and this morning, uh, we've got to begin to be excited about that once again. Uh, because if it had not been uh, for the Lord uh, who was on my side, uh, where would you and I be this morning? Uh, listen, i got to go back to the old hymn book this morning just for a moment. Uh, because at the cross, at the cross, uh, where I first saw the light, uh, listen, uh, we got to realize it was there and only there uh, that the burden of sin began to roll away from our lives. Uh, and can I tell you this morning, uh, in the world that's going crazy around us, uh, I'll go back to the hymn book one more time. Uh, there's still power, uh, wonder-working power uh, in the blood of Jesus. Uh, and this morning, uh, there is a love uh, like no other uh, that this world uh, must once again uh, begin to hear, uh, be proclaimed uh, from the lips of the men and women of God. Uh, which brings me to this. Uh, there is no life uh, unless uh, there is the removal of sin. You're just fooling yourself if you think you're really living, if you've not yet accepted Christ as your Savior. So how is this removed, you may ask? Listen, I'm not talking about church attendance, church membership. I'm not talking about this denomination or that denomination Here's what I'm speaking to you concerning this morning. John chapter 15, verse number 13. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Paul, in Romans chapter 5, a little further, he writes these words. He says, therefore, been justified by faith. We have peace with God. How do we have peace with God? Through our Lord Jesus Christ. Notice he didn't say just through the Lord Jesus Christ, but he said through our yes. Lord Jesus Christ. 
by whom also we have access by faith into his grace, wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulation also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience the experience, and experience hope. And hope maketh not ashamed, notice this, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, Yet preadventure for a good man, some would even dare to die. But God commanded his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Think about it. I think sometimes we fail to really remember what transpired so that you and I could have life. We often still remember what we would call the to-do list in order to receive Christ. We know we have to believe. We have to put our faith in him. Then we're really good about quoting Romans 10 and 9, that if thou would confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, thou shalt believe in thy heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. I believe that to be true. That is the process that we use. However, while we was yet stained with sin, God sent his son to pay a debt that he did not owe. And we owed a debt that we could not pay. And Isaiah 53 clearly shows us the task that was given so we might have life. Think about this, a love like no other, a love that was pictured in a fluent manner by the prophet in Isaiah 53. It says, who hath believed our report and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed for he shall grow up before them as a tender plant and as a root out of a dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness and when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. But he is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid it as it was our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath bore our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. Anybody guilty of transgressions in days gone by? He was wounded because of them. He was bruised for our iniquities. Anybody got any iniquities in your past? Guess what? He was, he was bruised because, because of your iniquities and my iniquities. Please hear me. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. Anybody testify this morning that you've been healed at some point in your life? Can I tell you, he bore those 39 stripes on his back. He was laid open. The pain, the agony that he went through, that was all upon him so that you and I could walk healed today. Think about it. He was oppressed and he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. 
He was as a lamb been led to slaughter and as a sheep before his shears. He opened not his mouth. Why did he not open his mouth? Is because of the simple fact is there was a love like no other. Notice with me, man was created, man was nourished, man was loved. And when it looked like all was lost, the one who created him stepped in and once again did something on his behalf. I want to tell you a story this morning, if I may. I want to, I want to tell you a story about little Tommy. I never met little Tommy, but little Tommy, he was a little boy that didn't have a whole lot. He was in a family that didn't have a whole lot by the world's standards, but little Tommy went and went out into a little workshop and he began to build and he built this little boat and then he found him some old paint and he painted this little boat and oh, how he loved this little boat because he didn't have a lot of toys. He didn't have a lot of things like the other kids had and he would take this little boat and sometimes you'd see him with it and he'd be in a mud puddle or any place he could find water but oftentimes you'd find him down by the little creek that he played in and he would, he would place that little boat into this water that was usually two inches to six inches, something around that. Not a big body of water, but he would put it in and the little rapids of this creek would let it float down and he would run down the edge of the uh, creek bank and then he would pick it up and he would bring it back and do it again. And that's how little Tommy spent much of his time and it was his favorite toy. But one day Tommy didn't know was up the creek, up in the neighboring county, there was, there was some rains and some storms coming and it began to rain very hard and it was filling fast, but the sun was shining where Tommy was. It seemed like everything was normal and he just happened to be playing with his boat in that little creek. And I can relate to this story because I used to be the guy that bought a house on the other side of the creek. What in the world I was thinking I didn't know, but we had some good memories there. But, but you could be playing in that creek and little Tommy didn't know. But all of a sudden with no warning whatsoever, those few inches of water turned into a mass flowing branch of strong water because it had came downstream. Tommy ran as hard as he could, but he did not have the ability in himself. He tried to save that little boat, but it was gone. He went home. He was heartbroken. He was, he was crying and he and told his mother what had happened. And as he was there, she began to console him. She began to cry with him because it was precious to him. Tommy had lost the very thing that was so precious. A little bit of time had passed and Tommy went walking down by the river shore in his town and there's a few little shops, had some little glass windows in it and just out of the corner of his eye, weeks had passed but he caught out of the corner of his eye and he said, there's my boat. And he ran in excited to the man at the counter and says, mister, mister, that, that's my boat in your window. And he said, can I have it back? And 
the man working the counter, he says, I'm sorry, son, I can't just give it to you, but, but I can sell it to you. And Tommy said, I, I don't have any money. How much is it? And he says, it's $1. Tommy runs home and finds what little bit of change he has, and he, he doesn't have enough change. And he runs and tells his mom, Mom, I found my boat. It's in the window of this little thrift store down by the river's edge. And her been loving and caring took her change and put with his change and gave him the dollar. And he runs back to the store, crazy excited about this little broken down little handmade boat. And he puts his change on the counter and the man reaches and takes the boat out of the window. It's a pretty good story, even if it just ends right there. But little Tommy said something when he began to leave that store. Little Tommy looked down at the boat in his hands and he said, I get to love you twice. He said, the first time I got to love you because I made you. But this time I get to love you because I bought you. Can I tell you, when you was in the womb of your mother, he knew you. And oh, how he loved you. But let's be honest and real this morning. None of us under the sound of my voice stayed pure like we was when we come from the womb of our mamas. But life happened. We found ourselves in some storms. Maybe some that we created ourselves. Maybe some that we had no control over whatsoever. But the storms of life come crashing down and it, we were stripped from the innocence that we was created in. But a love like no other oozes from our heavenly father in such a way that he says, I love you too much to abandon you. But if it takes that, I will offer not a dollar, but my only begotten son that will carry the weight of your sin, the weight of your failure. The stain of sin can be removed off your life, not because you deserve it, but because like Tommy, I went running back when I saw you and said, whatever it takes, I will pay the price uh, so that you can be back in my presence. Uh, can I tell you this morning, uh, you may have walked in here overwhelmed. Uh, you may have walked in here saying, I just don't know if I can make it. Uh, I don't have a big message for you today. Uh, all I've got to tell you uh, is that you've got to get to a place where you're not listening uh, to the lies of the enemy, uh, but you are loved. Uh, you are precious. Uh, you are valuable. Uh, and God loved you so much. He didn't just love you once, but he loved you twice. He created you, and then he bought you back. And because you've been bought with a price, can I tell you, no weapon in hell can defeat you if you'll stay with him. You and I today must realize like little Tommy held the boat. There was one by the name of Jesus that says, Come unto me, all ye that are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. What he's really saying, if you need me to, I'll hold you and I'll carry you for a while. Please hear me today. A world that is 
full of hate, world that is full of lies and confusion, a world that is full of evil abounding, there is still a love that cannot be described. And this love is a love that is not far off, but it's very near. He simply says, call, and I'll be faithful to, act, to answer. Let me give you some courage this morning, and I'm closing. Here's what the word of the Lord would say to you and I today. In Deuteronomy chapter number 31, Moses realizes that he's coming to the end of his time. He's 120 years old. The Lord is wanting him to address the nation of Israel, the children of Israel. He's telling them that there's a promise just beyond, and you're getting ready to go in and possess it. And you're going to experience the promise. You're going to experience the love that God has extended to your fathers. But he's told them this in verse 6. He said, I want you to be strong and of good courage. He said, I don't want you to fear and I don't want you to be afraid. For the Lord thy God, he it is that goes with you. And he will not fail you, nor will he forsake you. But in the middle of this conversation, we dealt with this not long ago. Moses then called to the young man that was going to take his place. And he said, Joshua, by the way, I know you just heard what I said. But Joshua, I want to speak directly to you. In verse number 8, he said, and the Lord, he it is that doeth go before thee. He will be with you. He will not fail you. He will not forsake you. Don't fear, neither be dismayed. We serve a God that does not change. You see, shortly after this, Moses went to be with the Lord. A nation of people was in mourning. Joshua comes on the scene and he's overwhelmed. He's grieving the loss of his mentor. But then the word of the Lord comes to him again in Joshua 1 and 5 and says, There shall not any man be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I'll be with you. I will not fail you, neither will I forsake you. Can I tell you that's the same God we're serving today. But when we get to New Testament scriptures in Hebrews chapter 13 as they come to the music this morning. Hebrews chapter number 13 and verse number 6. It says, so that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man can do unto me. Notice, if you read verse number 5, however, it says, let your conversation be without covetous and don't be all disturbed and uptight because of what you're going on because he says, I will never leave thee and I'll never forsake thee. See, there's a theme all throughout Scripture. The Lord says, I'll never leave you. You know why he'll never leave you is because he loves you, because he loves me. 
But it's not just an, oh, I love you. But it's a love like no other. It's a love where he'll stick closer than a brother to you and I. It's when nobody else understands. Tell you how much he loves you, sometimes he just keeps coming back to us and keeps coming back to us. I did not know until after the fact. But this week we was in North Carolina for a few days and was outside of a museum there and talking with some of the men in the church here. And there was a man that came, stood kind of at a distance of our conversation and we just kind of acknowledged him and welcomed him in and began to chat with him and talk with him. Before we left him, we, I just simply asked, I said, would it be all right if I just pray with you, pray for you, pray a blessing over your life? And he said, oh, absolutely. So here we are standing in a parking lot and us men gathered around him and prayed for him. I'd met this man a year ago, but I didn't really talk to him a year ago. I come to find out that Mary had talked to him a year ago after we had watched him do some crazy things in a motorcycle show. You probably remember him as Charlie. That's not his real name. I do know that now. That's just a stage name. But Charlie may be watching today, or Jerry, whatever we want to call him today. And if he is, I'm honored that I got to meet him and talked with him. But I say that to say this. A year ago, when we was there watching them perform, after, after the performance and we'd walked away, Mary felt led to go and minister to him and pray for him. I did not know that until after my encounter this time. So a year later, this guy just finds himself in a new season of life, trying to navigate through and those types of things. God sends somebody else one more time to pray with him one more time. See, God didn't just love him once. God loved him twice. And I thought, how cool. I'm so thankful that he doesn't just love me once. And I'm so thankful he don't just love me twice. But maybe you all got it that fast. But I'm glad he's loved me 200 times, 2,000 times, or ever how many times. But I say that to say this. I don't know where you are this morning. I know we come in and out of this building every week and we put our smiles on, we shake our hands and we say, hey, how are you? Oh, I'm good. But are you good? I'm not asking, are you good fleshly? I'm not asking if you're, but, but I'm asking, are you good here? See, I, I, I'll run with you. I, I, I'll, I'll have a good time with you. and We'll laugh and We'll worship together and we'll do all those things. But I failed if I don't make sure that you're good right here. This morning, aren't you good? Maybe those that's watching this morning, uh, right where you're at, are, are you good? 
I know maybe you feel like the storm waters have just beat you to death and maybe you seem like, oh, all that's magnified in your life is the failures and, and the scars. But can I tell you, when little Tommy got that boat, he wasn't concerned about the marks. He wasn't concerned about the, the, the damage. He wasn't concerned about anything other than the fact that he had created it. And oh, how he loved it. And if a little boy could love a little piece of wood like that, how much more can our Heavenly Father really, truly love us? I don't care if you've been to this altar 500 times or never been to it at all. There's no time like the present to say, God, I'm going to let you love me the second time. As we stand all over the house this morning. A love like no other. I think the closest thing that I can tell you of how to experience this type of love listen I I knew what it was like when my when they laid Tyler in my arms and man that rocked my world and I knew what it was like when they laid Kyla in my arms and the Lord how mercy and I'm not taking away from anything like that but when you walk in this morning after not seeing my boy for a few days and he grabs a hold and he lays his head on your shoulder and he don't let go and Icing on the cake is when grandma comes in the office and he says, uh-uh, and turns away. That's it. That a boy. Maybe I know just a little bit about that love. Listen. As powerful as that love is and as much as it touches my heart, it still doesn't compare to the love that he has for you right now where you are. You may have surrendered your life to him already, but you find yourself in a dark place, an overwhelming place, a place of you just don't know. Can I tell you, he just wants to wrap his arms of love around you this morning and tell you it's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. You see, I've had to do that with my kids a few times through life. It's going to be all right. But maybe you've not yet really surrendered. Can I tell you? And this is not to strike fear into your heart, but I'm going to tell you something. You don't have to be old to die. You don't have a promise of tomorrow, nor do I. We don't have a promise of five minutes from now. Can I tell you, I have countless friends that have went home and sat down And they didn't get back up. I don't know. I don't know when I'm leaving. I don't know when you're leaving. I just know this, that we're leaving. And you listen to this preacher week in and week out. And I'm glad that you're here and I love you. 
But I think about my friend, and man, I miss my friend. Brother Charles, he's sitting right there, man, I miss him. But before we was ever here, and before we was there, even in the old white building, he was faithful. He was my biggest cheerleader, man, for a long time. He cheered me on. He, he was always there. He was steadfast. But it wasn't until 10 weeks before he left this world that he walked the aisle and stood right here and said, will you pray with me? He just about waited too long. I don't want you to wait too long, friend. It's not about the fluff. It's not about titles. It's not about how theologically astute I can become. It's not about what kind of message I can drum up to make you excited. But it's about people dying lost. And they don't know that there's a love that they can have today. So this morning, every head bowed, every eye closed just for a moment. I don't do this often. But maybe there's somebody under the sound of my voice today that maybe feels like they're Tommy's little boat sitting in a window all alone damaged and broken maybe feel like hundreds of people have walked by the window and never noticed them never picked them up never was attracted to them and you just say you know what I'd like to be loved twice today there's somebody like that in this room would you just so kindly lift your hand up nobody looking around just put your hand up and put it back down today is there one okay maybe you're watching my technology today and you say pastor you're you're speaking to my heart right where you are I want you to know God loves you Maybe this morning in this room, you'd say, I've surrendered my life to the Lord, but I just don't like the place that I'm in right now. And I could use a little strength. I could use a little, I could use a little bit of that love been, been spread upon me. I'm going to ask you to just lift your hand and put it right back down this morning. God bless you all over this room. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do today. I want you to just be sensitive today, right now, in this moment of time. And it's not to embarrass anyone at all, but if you lifted your hands in any of those things today, I'm going to ask you to come and join me at the front of this building. And I want to pray with you, pray for you, the men and women of God of this house. We'd love to pray with you and pray for you. Because today there is a love like no other. There is a love like no other. The question is, do you know that love? Have you felt that love?
I want to take just a few moments today as they minister in song. And I'm going to give you an opportunity just to come to the front of this building. Maybe everything is well in your life. Maybe you say, I'm in a good season. God is doing things in my life. That's wonderful. Why don't you join with me today and pray for those maybe that's lost, your lost family, your lost loved ones, those in your community. But I'm going to ask you to come right now as they just begin to minister in song. Some of the dear saints of the Lord, would you come and just help me minister with this precious lady today that's come to the front of this building saying, I just want to feel your love today, Lord. I just need to feel your love today, Lord. Won't you come? God bless you this morning. Hey everyone, uh, Cameron here from PTC Ministries. I'm so glad that you could join us today uh, for the message here. Uh, I hope the message touched you uh, in a personal way and that you can take that and mold that and move it and let it move you in your life. And as you can continue your walk with Christ, continue your walk with us as well. Follow us, uh, click in the link below in the description there. Follow us on all of our social media platforms and don't forget to uh, like and subscribe. I feel like a YouTuber here, but don't forget to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel to uh, stay connected with us. Um, and thank you for joining us.